0: Today's episode of Grad School Confessional is brought to you by supervisors. I don't know about you, but I think supervisors are just dandy. Through their experience and tribulations, they provide support, offer wisdom, and are often the only thing that keep me... Is he still looking? Crap. So yeah, supervisors, they're great. Listening to Grad School Confessional, a new podcast that explores the good, bad, and ugly of graduate school directly from graduate students themselves. I'm your host, Dr. Yoa From awkward supervisor interactions to reviewer two horror stories to convincing your parents why grad school was a good idea, we read out the confessions of graduate students from all over and chat about the realities of pursuing higher education. By the way, if you didn't know. We're doing a giveaway for a $100 Amazon gift card. All you have to do is leave us a five-star review or send us your funny grad school story to be entered to win. Details are in the episode description. I'd like to welcome back my co-host and life supervisor, my wife, Anna. Anna, welcome back.
1: What's a life supervisor?
0: You know, like kind of that person that keeps you on track, like makes sure you pay rent on time and keeps you from sticking a fork into a toaster, that sort of thing.
1: How have you survived this long... I don't really know, actually.
0: Anna is a PhD candidate studying medical sociology, a field- No,
1: where... no, 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 stop. I, I don't do that anymore, remember?
0: Oh, right, right, right. Anna has changed her mind and is now doing digital health, a field where researchers ask, is WebMD a real person?
1: And can they be trusted?
0: <laughs> is Webb their first name or their last name? Is it Dr. Webb? Like Dr. Pepper? It's a fun fact, actually. Dr. Pepper is actually an optometrist. I don't even remember what we were talking about anymore. Anyway, our first story comes from a new grad student who had a little trouble with their supervisor before they even started. They write on the first day of orientation for my masters, I gathered into a room with my peers to learn more information about the program. After some general introductions, we went around the room and stated our name, who our supervisor is, and something interesting about ourselves. Of course, when it was my turn, I mispronounced my supervisor's name. This became clear to me and everyone else around me when the person sitting directly behind me said my supervisor's name differently, that is to say, correctly. The worst part of this was that my supervisor heard me mispronounce their name because they were standing at the front of the room. Perhaps that's why my supervisor called me by a different name throughout my master's. I'm not sure, but I always thought they had a funny sense of humor.
1: (laughs) Okay, follow up question. When they say the supervisor called them by a different name, like, every time.
0: But, <laughs> like, what if it wasn't even, like, a close thing, like, Kristen and Kirsten? What if it was just completely different? Like, your name was, like, Sarah. And they were just like, what's up, Jeff? <laughs> just, like, completely
1: different. There's a bit from Scrubs about this, right? Oh, yeah. The I like, I don't respect for everyone. I will call all the female interns Debbies and all the male interns...
0: I don't know, Steve or something.
1: Steve. It's like, oh, that's a coincidence. My name is Debbie. Now, out of respect for everybody else, your name shall be Slagathor. <laughs>
0: Slag-a-thor. <laughs> uh I'm I wouldn't da- even complain. That'd <laughs> be kind of cool, though, right? Like, if you were just known as Dr. Slagathor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, way better than Debbie. <laughs> no offense no, to no Debbie. No offense to Debbie's this. out there. we uh, got to be upfront about that. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> I've done this before, though, for sure. Like, I've, I've seen people's names written down on articles and just thought to myself... Man, I really hope I don't have to meet this person, like, in real life. Because I definitely wouldn't know how to pronounce this.
1: And I had one of those names. Yeah. I, have, I had an Eastern European name that was pronounced five different ways by five different people.
0: <laughs> I But uh, I actually still go to you for, like, help with, like, Polish last names or Ukrainian last names.
1: There's just, like, anything more than two consonants in a row, you're like...
0: Yeah, I don't know. But I've had this before, too. Like, I've had people actually mispronounce my name wrong a bunch. And I guess now your name wrong a bunch. I know, my name... Yeah, I thought
1: I would change it. And it would fix things. It did not. No, it just made things. It's just sweet. sweet, sweet, Wait, didn't your supervisor mispronounce your last name at your doctoral defense?
0: Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. I think. I think he just not to call, not to call him out. I, I I love him, but he definitely I think avoided every opportunity to actually have to pronounce my name for for, four years for six years man for six years and it was just kind of like at the defense like dr sweet (laughs) it was like nice try (laughs) (laughs) gonna shoot your shot (laughs) (laughs) respect respect yeah i think it's just just part of the job though like that's kind of like a consequence of this global scientific community right it's just you just kind of have to be familiar with names that you're not going to be able to pronounce necessarily unless you become so famous that like your last name just becomes one of those things that's just attached like to a household brand yeah like oprah or like prince like one of those one name monikers you know i think if i had one of those one word monikers it would be just yo yo what's up
1: <laughs> do you see what i have to live with <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's pretty funny though mm. yeah anyway our next confession comes from a phd graduate who recounts their struggles with their PhD supervisor and how their relationship almost led to them dropping out. They write, In the beginning, my supervisor was great. They were supportive of my ideas and progress. At some point early in my PhD, things changed. If new students didn't start off where the previous students finished, they were considered a failure and the abuse began. Things got worse as I progressed. The results from my experiments were considered to be quote unquote, not good enough and my opinions no longer mattered because I was quote unquote, just a student. At one point, my supervisor tried to kick me out of the program because they didn't think I was working hard enough. For the record, we were expected to work 80 to 100 hours a week. Fortunately, my committee stepped in and supported me. I almost quit my PhD because the attacks on my abilities never stopped, but I was three and a half years in and didn't want it to be for nothing and to start all over. I published three first author papers and two reviews yet I was seen as unproductive. My supervisor tried to stop my defense after it was already scheduled because they thought I hadn't done enough to earn a PhD. Again, my committee had to step in and I was able to defend my PhD. I was constantly on guard for questions or attacks that would make me look bad in front of my peers and mentors. Fortunately, at that point, my supervisor cared more about making them look good rather than making me look bad. It took a lot of effort to get over the imposter syndrome and second guessing. But since then, I've had excellent mentors who have encouraged me, my ideas, and my abilities. Woof. Yeah, woof indeed, eh? Imposter syndrome is real in grad school. Like, I still feel like I get this now, where I just don't feel like I'm qualified to be doing literally anything that I'm, like, being assigned to.
1: hmm
0: And I can absolutely understand if your supervisor is on the other side of that, like they're not encouraging you, but they're actually actively bringing you down and contributing to that imposter syndrome, that's rough.
1: Hmm. And to me, this is interesting because clearly the supervisor is not enjoying supervising graduate students. Mm-hmm. Then like, why do you keep taking graduate students?
0: Yeah. And I mean, it makes you kind of wonder too, like, does this supervisor... Like, where did they learn it from? Who right? hurt
1: you? Who hurt you?
0: <laughs> Who made you like this? Right. Okay. But like, seriously, they, they must have had some influence, like some, they're the, their supervisor or someone they've worked with that has encouraged this kind of, I don't even know, like toxic environment for their students. Or you know what it is? It could even be just that they kind of settled into it throughout their career or and they found that it was being rewarded. Like... They're being rewarded for their students being productive, and if that means driving them to 80 to 100 hours a week, like, I'm not going to lie, I didn't even know there were 100 hours in a week. <laughs> like, I How many hours are in a
1: week? Time flies when you take two naps a day.
0: Hey, man. Okay, those, first of all, okay, no, cut that. I don't just take two naps a day. I recover my mental and physical health twice <laughs> a day, okay? Okay. <laughs>
1: But it, it sounds like a very silly approach to me because one, we get as graduate students so little recognition for what we do mm-hmm. that if you encouraged us, we would lay our lives down for the lab like we would be more productive. And second, your students will graduate and they will become academics or they will become policymakers or regardless of where they go, mm-hmm. wouldn't you want your name to be associated with good things and not oh, my God, I had this terrible experience yeah. with this person. Don't invite them to collaborate.
0: Yeah, exactly, right? Like, I, you know, definitely know of other professors and other um, students turned, you know, academics and researchers that specifically will go out of their way not to work with certain people because mm-hmm. they've just left such, a, like, a bad sort of experience
1: yeah. with them. Yeah. And,
0: you know, in a scientific community, like we had mentioned, that's very global, you you have to work with people. You have to collaborate. And why wouldn't you want to form these strong working relationships? It's just, it's kind of weird to me.
1: Exactly. My supervisor still continually works with uh, doctoral students that she had supervised in the past who have graduated because they reach out to her with... Mm projects and they're like, I loved working with you. I want to continue doing it. And it's so beneficial when you're a good supervisor.
0: Yeah, it it benefits you immensely. And I think on the other side of that, if your supervisor isn't very good, it puts you in a really awkward position as a like a PhD student or a master's student, because, you know, these are the people we ask for references from. These are the people who we leverage their network, right? And these are the people who in this improper sort of imbalanced power dynamic we have to have them on our papers and so if you don't have a good relationship with your supervisor you may not get your work published and in the end that hurts you so much more than it hurts them which Mm -hmm. is like really
1: unfair yeah and that was my master's experience Mm -hmm. where i completed two projects as part of my master's but the working environment uh, between myself and my committee and my supervisor was just so toxic that There was no way I was going to keep working with them Mm -hmm. to publish anything. And I don't think even if I pushed on, I don't think anything would have gotten published just because of our dynamic. And Mm -hmm. so I started my doctorate, two papers on the whole. Yeah. um, And so I had to catch up. And now coming to the other end of my doctorate, I'm like, I think I'm finally catching up. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And for what it's worth, I think you made the right decision. Because I remember you were getting like, sort of emails at two three in the morning and i remember you feeling really stressed and having to feel like you had to respond to them then yeah. and they were about the meeting the next day at like eight in the morning and it just makes you wonder like i take two naps a day and i still get tired i go to bed at like eleven thirty, <laughs> guys so
1: it was rough <laughs>
0: and i think there's another side to this too where it's not to say that your supervisor can't still push you in a way or challenge you like I would be lying if I said my supervisor in my PhD didn't make me cry. Um, but was it kind of deserved? Like, I feel like, yeah, like I was kind of not taking some aspects of it as seriously. And it was kind of that conversation that really turned things around. Um, I mean, I guess technically, according to the famous chef Marco Pierre White, he didn't make me cry. I chose to cry. Uh, but,
1: <laughs> but, you know,
0: uh... but I think there's definitely signs of a bad supervisor. I think... One of the signs is not respecting your boundaries, Mm -hmm. you know, whether that's with like work, whether that's with like mental health um, or just, you know, even health in general, which it can come down to.
1: Yeah. I think if your supervisor is downplaying your ideas or disregarding your ideas because you're quote unquote, just a student. Yeah. 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 Someone's on a high horse.
0: And again, it's unfortunate that there is that power imbalance where they can be in that position and say, I don't care what your ideas are. We're going to do this anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm really glad that this person has still found a committee, um, or a group of people that have encouraged them and supported them. I think that's hugely important. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Our last confession also comes from a PhD graduate who reflects on the role that their supervisors have had on them. They write, this isn't much of a story, but more so a few comments on how important it is to have a good supervisor. I think I got lucky because I didn't do all the things you should do when picking supervisors, but I still got pretty good ones. You should reach out to lab members and find out about the culture of the lab. I've had three supervisors so far, all different and great for different reasons. One supervisor was more involved and managed a lot more. This really helped a newbie like me with limited research experience. Another was much more hands-off and really pushed autonomy. When I got towards the end of my PhD, it was their guidance that gave me the confidence to feel as though I can establish myself as an independent scholar. Finally, my third supervisor was almost completely hands-off and specifically pushed establishing my own niche separate from theirs. Again, this helped with my growth and development in immense ways. Now, like I said, I think I got lucky, maybe meeting the right type of supervisor at the right stage. Yeah, I think this person raises a cool point about the different kinds of supervisors that there are, like not just like good or bad, but Mm -hmm. there's different styles that I think really, um, some people kind of gravitate towards or really works for them versus others.
1: Yeah. And I think a really good supervisor is able to balance those styles depending on who their student is. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm the sort of student that gets an assignment, disappears for a month, comes back with it done. Mm -hmm. If I need to figure something out, I really don't like bothering my supervisor. I'd rather, Mm -hmm. you know, ask somebody on my committee or do my own research Mm -hmm. or whatever. And so uh, my current supervisor, that works really, really well for me.
0: Yeah. And I feel like I'm the kind of person who, very similar to that, I kind of really work well on my own and want to like kind of discover things, (laughs) (laughs) kind of discover things um, and learn about things on my own. But then I really like to ask for clarification on certain mm-hmm. topics, and so being able to reach out to my supervisor fairly intermittently and have them mm-hmm. be, you know, receptive to that is important to me. I think overall, there's probably two main types of supervisors. I would say there's like the autonomy-focused ones versus sort of like mm-hmm. the more guided-focused ones, and I think they both really confer different advantages. Like this person writes, um, being more autonomous means that you have more control over your projects. But you really need to be able to push yourself or like kind of set your own goals and be clear yeah. about that versus the guidance or the setup uh, that you get with the other kind of supervisor makes your path a lot clearer and you could be potentially afforded more opportunities, but you do have less room to carve out your own niche. Yeah. So figuring out sort of the right supervisor at the right stage, like if you're lucky enough to, to do so or early enough to do so, um, working with different people is awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But what we can all agree on is that micromanager's are the worst.
0: Oh yeah, I just I'm not a fan of micromanager's at all. It's like people who basically want you to do this thing for them, like as a puppet, like just like just put their hand deep inside. No, 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 no. Just like, <laughs> but basically, they just pull the strings, right? And they yeah. get you to like a marionette, not a puppet. <laughs> not a puppet. Marionette, marionette. <laughs> what? We're very similar. <laughs> Right, but they...
1: Yeah, they just live vicariously through you.
0: Yeah, and that, and that is just overbearing. Like, you don't learn anything. You just basically are a task monkey, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: But, you know, outside of supervisors, I think also if you have the opportunity to work with just different professors um, on different projects through collaboration or even just asking other grad students, like, hey, what's your supervisor like, you know, and trying to yeah. figure out aspects about them that you like, you don't like. Because if you're lucky that'll be you one day you'll get to be in that position and be like, how do I want to foster Mm -hmm. and nurture this new generation of grad students?
1: Yeah. And unfortunately there's like, there's no manual that you get of like how to do a good job mentoring Mm -hmm. your graduate students. And it's kind of like, if you really care about it, it's looking back at your experiences and evaluating, okay, what worked, what didn't, what Mm -hmm. can work for other people. And a lot of people don't do that; and they just kind of like replicate the supervisory style of their last supervisor, step by step, and that doesn't necessarily work.
0: It's so interesting you mentioned that. I literally read an article in the Guardian that's like four years old the other day, and it was just saying how you know not all supervisors are like PhD supervisors are good supervisors or are trained in how to do that, mm-hmm. and you know it's kind of I think a fallacy to think that just because. You are able or you are in a position to be able to train graduate students that immediately makes you a good graduate supervisor. You like, you know what to do. Like, I would argue maybe this is a hot take, but it's the same thing with parenting, right? Like, yes, you can technically be a parent whenever you want if you have the partner and the consent, Um, but that doesn't make you a good parent just because you have birthed the child.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think just as with parenting, whatever works for one person won't work for another person. Mm -hmm. I remember speaking to one of my supervisor's students at the time, who is now successfully defended, um, and they told me how my supervisor's feedback made them cry. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh dear, but you know, I was happy with everything else. And so I decided, you know, to pursue a PhD with this person and then I got feedback and it was the most informative and like engaging feedback (laughs) that I had ever gotten on my manuscripts and it was detailed for sure, but it was so good. And I was like, I guess for some people that would be very discouraging just getting that sheer volume of feedback and that would make them cry. But for me, it was like, oh my gosh, somebody's actually looking at my work and they care enough to provide me with feedback mm-hmm. and so you know if you're talking to people in the lab of whoever you want to work with like mm-hmm. also gauge their experiences like how would you go through that yeah, experience yeah. and if it would work for me
0: i think that's a really good point so question then what is the role of a supervisor
1: oh i don't know to make sure you defend on time
0: don't stick your fork into toasters <laughs>
1: Um, make sure your students don't start their studies before they put in an ethics
0: yeah (laughs) basic stuff but I guess really it's I guess what we're coming getting across here is the the guidance right it's really just like having this level of investment in your students not just as you know these researchers that can do stuff for you but also as their own independent people who want to get stuff out of a program right like Mm -hmm. a PhD program and I think some supervisors treat their grad students like research assistants and i think those at the end of the day are two very different things
1: mm-hmm. like
0: a research assistant is a job and you're there to do a certain task but as a grad student it's in the name you're still a student you're being trained. grad <laughs>
1: grad student is the same thing as an ra but they're not getting paid <laughs> uh, it's a volunteer position <laughs> oh that's
0: sad <laughs> um, um okay, okay so then in contrast to the previous story where we kind of talked about these bad supervisor traits. What's like what are good supervisor traits? You know, they do this and that's kind of a good sign. Mm,
1: they... I think
0: immediately it's just they respect your boundaries.
1: Yeah. Right? Like yeah. your
0: time, your health. They check in on you. They have a vested interest in you beyond just the research you do.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Um I think A supervisor that takes an interest in your work, Mm -hmm. not because it's directly aligned with their work, so it'll boost their publications, but also because they genuinely find it interesting. If they don't find your work interesting, why did they take you?
0: Yeah, right. It's kind of that and you know, these are conversations you can be having before you even start, right? Yeah. I think oftentimes we're just here about graduate school and getting admitted, and it is difficult, especially in a lot of countries or a lot of schools, but recognizing that you still have this You know autonomy to be able to say what will i be doing what is expected of me you know Mm -hmm. what is the lab environment like
1: yeah i think of anything else like this paints you in a better light and paints paints you as an individual who takes this seriously and is like wants to know about the lab environment and wants to know their job expectations so then they can meet them
0: Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely these were good discussions Anyway, you've been listening to Grad School Confessional. I'm Dr. Yoa Sway. Special thanks again to my supervisor, Anna.
1: Why do you want me to be your supervisor?
0: Because if you're my supervisor, that means I get supervision. And I've always wanted to be able to see without glasses. Hey, wait, where are you going? Oh. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or iTunes by October 1st, and we'll enter you in our Amazon giveaway. Please also share us with your social network and follow us on Twitter at G.S. Confessional. And if you have a confession you'd like to make, please use the anonymous link in the description or email the grad at gmail.com. Until next time, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Principal Investigator,
1: Amen.